So trust is a very important topic. I mean, you can always trust on the learning geeks to talk about both learning and Star Wars. But there's a lot more better reasons to trust somebody and where it pays off for business. We're going to talk about trust with an expert in this field, Joe Folkman, today on the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. Glad to have you, Joe. Thanks for being here. Where, where are you? Where are you calling from again here today? I'm I'm in Orem, Utah, and here it is, twentieth uh, of May, and it's forty eight degrees. Can you believe it? <laughs> That's why I moved to California from Chicago. I was tired of those weather swings, but and. and Dana's very close to you. Jake is still in Chicago. We haven't talked to him of leaving yet. No, I haven't left yet, but we have been in almost the 90s the last couple, like the last two weeks. And or so. humid. But it hasn't been humid yet, Dana, so it's actually been pretty <laughs> good. It's like one of those, some of those nights where you can go outside at night, have a fire, and you're set. So it's been pretty nice the last week. But before that, it was miserable yeah. for <laughs> multiple weeks. Welcome well, to Chicago, Chicago. right? <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. It's the best. Best city in the world, four months out of the year. So, yep. But Joe, we are we are happy to have you. And you know, maybe we could just kick off. I would love to hear you introduce yourself. I know you've been in the learning field for for a long time and made a lot of contributions. And maybe you can give us a, a little snapshot on your career before you dive into your new book on trust. Well, thanks so much, Bob. I, I'm a, a psychometrician. Have you ever met one of those before? I think you might be my first. <laughs> I have met them before, yes. <laughs> Maybe I haven't. I didn't realize it. That's probably more likely, right? Uh, well, to, to sort of let you know a little bit about psychometricians, when, when my youngest was in grade school, he came up to me one day and he said, what do you do, Dad? And I said, I'm a psychometrician. And he said, okay. <laughs> and he walked away. And I said, why are you asking? He says, well, today in school we're going to talk about what our moms and dads do, so I'm going to tell them. And I said, good luck. And so he went to school, <laughs> and I went to work that night. I came home. I said, how'd it go at school? He said, good. Did you tell him what I do? Oh, yeah. But but I can only remember the first part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I have uh, been very excited about measuring things. And uh, one of the things that we really feel quite passionate about is 360 assessments. And we've been able to collect over 100,000 360 assessments from uh, people across the globe. And, and it's been a lovely database. And uh, it, it really is powerful. And, and, and as you think about kind of looking at data and try to analyze it, I looked in there at the trust data to try and understand what was going on with this really critical piece of data. It's a, it's a small behavior, right? Hmm. And, it, and it's not difficult to understand. I, I had a, a niece and when she was three, I was babysitting her and she got a, she opened a can, but she didn't open it the whole way. And so she, she you know, she poked down the lid and yeah. And, and, and she wanted to get the lid up and she put her finger down and then pulled up and it started to cut her finger and she was screaming oh, yeah. and, and yelling. And I came to try and help her. And of course, she thought the solution was to pull it harder up. And yeah. of course, she had to push it down to get her 
finger around it and and it was a traumatic thing and, and we finally got it out but for three years whenever she saw me she cried oh. you know and, <laughs> and so she understood trust at a very young age and uh, you know it's interesting right now if if you uh, ask this one question are most people trusted now, if, if you're in uh, the Netherlands or in Sweden or Norway, 60% of the people say yes. Most people mm. can. But if you're in Colombia, less than 5% say yes. Wow. And, and mm. if, you, if you do a little correlation where you look at that score, I mean, the percentage of people that say yes to that question and GDP, right? Gross, gross domestic yeah. product. The correlation is 0.834. Wow. So as you think about that question and you say that predicts the gross domestic product of a country. And what you think about when you have trust is that every transaction involves some amount of trust. I was just going to say that in, in your coming book, you mentioned the phrase that the the atom of leadership is trust. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think the illustration you just gave is, is a good example of that. W what other things come to mind when you say that? Or what did you mean by the atom of leadership is trust? It's a small behavior. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it, you trust somebody and you know it, you know, when you have it and you know when you don't. But that one behavior, um, we did this little experiment where we looked at uh, uh, the ability to communicate. It's interesting because if you were good at trust but not at communication, there's only a 2% chance you'd be a great leader. And mm. if you're good at communication but not at trust, there's actually a 17% chance you'd be a great leader. But if you're good at both, and you can think about a leader who's who's trusted and communicates well, right? And there's an 80% chance that you'd be a great leader. And if you go through every competency we're measured and, and do that same analysis. The one-to-one. -one. Uh -huh. Yeah. What you get is this tremendous inflation, this tremendous increase. If you add trust to anything... <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and uh, we were home and we were eating cantaloupe one night and my, my dad said, pass the salt. And I, I looked at him and I'm like, what? And he says, try it. And I, you know, I put salt on and boy, it enhanced the flavor. And, it, you know, it doesn't really change the cantaloupe at all. It just draws out the water, which makes it taste sweeter. But salt, I think the salt of leadership is trust. It, it, it changes everything. It enhances everything. So like the atom, it's a small behavior that has an amazing impact. My dad used to do the same thing with watermelon. Yeah. Put a little mm -hmm. salt on watermelon and it's like, mm, what are you talking about? We wonder why we have high blood pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, based off of all that and your, your past and being a, a psychometrician and how did you gravitate towards trust then? Um, how did that become something that became so interested and wanted to keep doing and working into? Well, what's fascinating about trust is if you look at it, 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 it is really correlated to almost everything. So I thought that 
if you try to figure out, well, how did, what do you do to create a trust and, and how do you maintain trust? I thought it would be a very complex formula. I mean, you know, because it correlates to everything. I mean, everything, it influences everything and everything is influenced by it. But when I did the analysis, I found that if you could isolate three things, three factors, and uh, so in my book, I called it the trifecta of trust. Those, there were just three things that, that explained 80% of, of trust, if, if you could control these three factors. Okay, so what are they? <laughs> you know, Bob, <laughs> I knew you. <laughs> How about I guess? <laughs> okay. I'm going to guess it's expertise, consistency, and relationships. Dana, I saw your eyes looking down at the paper. <laughs> totally, I did too. <laughs> see, see, you can only hear in the oh, audience, but we can see what's going on here. All right, all right. I, I noticed you guys said. What that. did I do, Joe? You did. Did I read? Did I read the three points well? You did, and and so, Dana, here's the hard question. You've got consistency, you know, the extent to do what you do. You do what you say. You say what you do. You've got expertise, you know, your knowledge and experience. And of course, you know, when you go to a physician and, and they're wearing a white coat and, you, and they tell you to quit doing something, you go home and tell, tell your spouse you're going to quit that. And they say, I've told you that for 20 years. Well, you know, it's like, well, I trust the doctor, right? And then uh, relationships. Which one of those three has the most influence? I would guess relationship. You're right. That would have been mine, but I guess that doesn't do much when it's after the fact, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess consistency. I thought consistency mm. would, would do more. Now, they all are, they all are impactful, but uh, what I found was in my research, if, if you could be at the 60th percentile on all three, and this is a, a kind of a funny principle because in our, in our research, one of the things we discovered is that you didn't need to be perfect to be a really good leader, right? And, you know, we found that if people, you know, just had one profound strength, it almost doubled their effectiveness, right? But this is a case where it looks like all three sort of work together. There's an interaction effect between the three. But if you could be above the, the 60th percentile, in other words, just barely above average on all three of them, Trust would be at the 80th percentile. And relationships ends up being the biggest one uh, or, or has the most influence because, uh, and, and if you think about, you know, older people getting ripped off by slick salesmen, and then you hear the story, this guy came to my door and he was so nice and he came every day and I gave him my life savings, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you realize uh, relationships has a lot to do with this. So I'm curious, what is happening? Like, what is the state of trust right now in the United States? You know, we, we have listeners all around the world, but I think most of our listeners are probably in the United States. My, my guess would be that trust has declined over the years. Yes, there's a, a little assessment called the Edelman Trust Barometer. And, mm -hmm. and they report that trust is down everywhere, right? And especially with what's happening in Russia and the world, you know, you can even see a further decline that, that trust has, has gone down. There's a neuroeconomist, his name is Paul Zak, and, you know, he, he says what, 
what lack of trust causes is friction. And that just makes a lot of, lot of sense to me because it yeah. makes everything harder and it creates this, you know, friction to move things. But when, when trust is high, you know, burnout decreases, closest with colleagues increase, energy increases. They even found that pay was high in trust, high trust organizations. I'm not sure how that works, but, uh, you know, it is it is a profound variable. But right now, trust is lower. Uh, and the interesting thing from my perspective is I found that 27% of the people we assessed overrated their level of trust that they thought they had, which is you think about it, one in four people, yeah. over one in four, uh, think they're more trusted than they really are. That's, that's a scary, <laughs> scary that is thing. That's a scary number. Yeah. So, Joe, what is the role of feedback in building trust? Well, there's an interesting correlation that if you look at trust and if you look at the extent to which people ask for feedback, right? Um, you find, and, and but by the way, first of all, if you look at asking for feedback and you look at it by age, when people are young, they ask for a lot of feedback. It's quite high, but over time it goes down, right? I mean, people ask for feedback less as they age. But those people that continue to ask for feedback are significantly more trusted. Uh, that's a, a great way to build your trust. Uh, you know, if you ask for enough feedback, you might get some feedback that helps you understand why you're such a jerk, right? Something. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the other side of feedback is giving feedback. And so, you know, it's interesting because we ask people, how many of you, if your boss has something that's going to help you improve, how many want to hear it? Everybody says, I want to hear that, right? I mean, sure. Duh. But so, so people report that they want to hear negative feedback. Except when they get negative feedback, they hate it and they get so yeah. upset. And the fascinating thing about feedback is um, if you have a, a, a habit of giving significantly more and not even that significant, but more positive than negative feedback, you're going to be more trusted. Joe, with the COVID um, pandemic, there's been a massive shift of people obviously working from home. What impact has that had on on trust and people's ability to build trust with their uh, either their manager or if they're the manager with their employees? Did your research bear anything out on on the pandemic? It did, and it's kind of interesting because uh, I thought everything would be lower, but when we looked at the data, what we found is engagement actually went up and leadership effectiveness actually went up, but not for everybody. Okay. <laughs> and so there's sort of two answers to this question, because if, if, you, you, if you work for a really good boss, if you work for even an average boss, uh, the pandemic and working from home was okay. I mean, uh, and, and obviously those people really changed the way they interacted with their employees and they engaged more often. I mean, most of us had to learn in the pandemic that we needed to touch base more often and connect more often and do those things. But the poor leaders didn't. 
and so that's mm -hmm. where we saw the real problem is is that even though it went up overall for poor leaders it went down and down significantly uh, because again uh, you know they 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 lost touch with their employees they they I mean one of the the funny things that we found in the pandemic is productivity actually increased when people went home to work. Um, I was on the Philippines uh, with, you know, they have so many call centers in the Philippines. And it, what's great about call centers and, and productivity is they measure every second. Right. And, and <laughs> so uh, they were telling me, you know, I, I, they said, well, our productivity is up. But we got all this office space. We want people to come back. And, and I thought, why? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, people are in their own houses. The average commute time in the Philippines is 90 minutes one way. So when they started asking people to come back to work, it's like, would you like to come back and work three more hours a day? <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. But it's interesting uh, that that when the when things got tough, the poor leaders really, their employees suffered more. And it was a significant effect they had during the pandemic. Joe, you mentioned uh, Paul Zach a little bit earlier. He's a, a good friend of our show. So I, I texted him. I told him you name dropped him. And he says, thanks for the plug, um, <laughs> which he always appreciates. Um, I, I'm curious as to, you know, kind of the, the physiological factors of trust. So, you know, we talked about um, the, the, the trifecta, but is, you know, is there any research in terms of the chemical reactions that happen in your brain when you trust somebody versus, uh, you know, when you don't trust somebody? Paul tried to measure that. I mean, he tried to, yeah. to, to get a, the whole physiology of it. And it, it, it's so funny because he was remote. He was working in this like remote villages doing this research. It was really funky stuff. And it's like, how do you how do you how do you draw blood at that point? You know, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and uh, that some of that data was a little bit inconclusive on it, but you know, his data is really clear. And you know that that again, this whole issue of trust and and how it affects an organization, and most of us, I, I, you know, and I think during the pandemic, this is probably the biggest toll. And, and Danny, you were saying, well, what gets affected? Well, I think trust has been significantly affected because uh, I, I know in our own company, uh, just on these Zoom meetings, something gets said and, you know, people don't have the time to sort of talk after and they didn't go out to lunch and they yeah, and and it kind of it kind of blew up a little bit and people, you know, and it's like we. It took a long time to work that through, but I, and I think some of that is occurring uh, in organizations right now uh, because we just haven't had that opportunity to be together. So a question I have, if, given all of this research, and you know, this is the Learning Geeks podcast, what, what are your thoughts about trust in a classroom setting where you've got you know, faculty and students? I mean, any, um, any thoughts? Well, you, you can really feel it, can't you, when, when you sort of open it up for comments. Um, one of the funny things that, and, and yesterday I was uh, with a group in Dallas where we just hand out their personal 360 degree feedback to them. 
and it's the first time these people had ever had it. And we let them study it for about an hour. And then I'd, I'd say, well, sit down by your partner there and talk about your feedback, right? And, and you don't have to share it, but just talk about your, any questions you have. And at first, people are deer in headlights, right? It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's fascinating about it is, is that, I, I mean, you get 360 feedback. It is an emotional experience. And, and your head is going and... and there's a lot of physiology going on there, and you're thinking, you know, I, I, everybody else got better scores than me, and I'm pathetic, and I'm, and I, you know, there's all these things, and and we just find that if people will just start to talk, and you see it happen pretty quickly, that that within five or ten minutes they're holding up their report, doing this, look at this, you know, can you believe this, <laughs> uh, and they're sharing quite openly. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think part of the interesting things you've been in really good groups where you had these wonderful discussions and people commented and there was lots of interaction and you've been in this, <laughs> in this situation where you ask a good question and you hear the crickets, right? You know, it's like, and you're trying to pull teeth. Uh, the other thing that's happening out online is that early on people didn't want to turn on their cameras did you notice that right yeah uh, and yep. and uh i i mean i was just like them i'm i'm like what a look i have to look at myself this is horrible <laughs> i'm looking at myself <laughs> right now it's terrible i wish i but i mean you get used to it and and uh, but i was on a call today and a, and a person on the call uh had her I had her camera off and she said, I'm sick today. So I'm not, I'm not putting me on. I'm all puffy. I mean, that's an interesting thing. And, and in this conversation, she didn't say a word. It, it felt like we were excluding her and we, we kind of did. Yeah. When I don't mm -hmm. turn on my camera, it's because I tell people I haven't had a chance to do my hair yet. <laughs> <laughs> For those who can't see the visual, I don't have yeah, any he hair. Has none. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think Joe, just in general, that's one thing that. Uh, well, I'd say a couple episodes ago, uh, we we discussed the topic of learner agency, and in some of the research that we did um, internally for for our firm, we learned that part of learner agency, or at least empowering that to happen, there's a lot of trust that's needed, and one of them specifically is especially in the communities or institutions that you you are part of. Um, and as part of that, I think one of the difficult things about doing that, your example made me think of it. It's, it's how do we allow more of an inclusive environment so more people feel like they can be a part of it? Because in these situations, either than in Zoom or in other situations, some individuals just don't feel like they can speak up. Others can. But I think one of the questions that I keep thinking of of how to how do we solve or how do we uh, improve on how do we make more of an inclusive communities and, and environments that don't just target the few and actually can you know target more so that they can create this established you know trusted environment so i don't know if that has been something you have been thinking about as well especially in some of your experiences over the last two three years so so one of the things i've really enjoyed is the online polling uh, where you, you can kind of get some level of participation from them. 
uh, you know, and they can kind of, you know, see a comment that they make or a word that they put in or something like that, that, that gets a little more uh, interaction from them. It's hard. I, I, uh, I don't pretend to be a master at it. Uh, especially online, uh, it, it, there's, it's funny, you know, we, we have this sort of dynamic where people go, I want a really rich learning experience and I want you to do it in an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know all about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you kind of go, well, okay, that's, that's kind of a lot of talk and not so much interaction and, and uh, yeah, it, it's really hard. Well, listen, gentlemen, I'm looking at the clock on the studio wall and we're out of time. It feels like we could keep going. So, Joe, thank you so much for being here with us today. Where can people find you? When's the book coming out? What's it going to be called? Trifecta of Trust, I believe, the right? Trifecta of Trust. It's out uh, uh, the 1st of June and uh, it's Great. on Amazon. And if you get my preference, I would go with Audible because... <laughs> this is a book you want to listen to, and uh, I, I, I do the recording, a little bit of the recording, but my daughter does most of it, and she's actually very oh. good, you know. This oh, is what happens great. when your daughter is a theater major. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I appreciated, Joe gave us a little preview of the book, and, and I really appreciate that there's lots of storytelling in there. I think... You know, mm -hmm. We talk on our podcast a lot of times about the power of story, and I think the the way that you've structured the book is a really powerful way where you illustrate a story and then you bring in the data to support the the point you're making. So, so I highly encourage people to pick up the book. Great. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks to all our listeners, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again on our next Learning Geeks podcast real soon. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.